0: Today's episode, we talk with longtime friend of ours, John Goldsmith. Johnner got his start in the industry working at Jack Astor's while in university.
1: From there, he moved on to the Charcoal Group of Restaurants, The Keg, Chainsaw, and currently is a senior manager at Shark Club in Victoria, BC. John gives us
2: his perspectives on the pros and cons of working for a corporate versus independent business, and we also talk about some of the fun times that happen when you're working in the industry. Enjoy the show.
0: Okay, welcome to the industry podcast. I am Kip Saunders. I'm your host. My producer is Dan Soretta. How, how are you, Dan?
2: I'm still pretty awesome, thanks. Yeah. Yourself?
0: Yep, yeah, good. Just another day <laughs> in quarantine paradise. Oh, how uh, true. Yeah, <laughs> it's getting uh, it's getting scary out there. A lot of places, where we don't know if they're going to... Places closing down, there's places that are... We don't know if they're going to bother opening back up once with the... Uh, Stay-at-home orders are lifted, so not a not a fun time to be in the service industry. But look at it this way, at least I mean, could be worse, you could be frontline workers who are putting their health at risk all the time. So yeah we shouldn't be bitching and moaning until I'm out in the street wearing a barrel for a tuxedo. <laughs> uh okay, we have a great guest for this uh Mother's Day edition of um, the industry podcast. Uh, John Goldsmith, all the way from Victoria, B.C., a good old friend of ours. Not old.
1: <laughs> How you doing, John?
0: I'm good. How are you doing? We're doing all right. Yeah. How are things in Victoria? Good weather?
1: Yeah, we've had some great weather here. We've been pretty blessed. It hasn't been as cold as it has been in Ontario. But um, so, yeah, the, uh, my social distancing time was, was okay. But, um, yeah, I guess as good as it can be.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, uh, you were mentioning to me before the, we started recording that, uh, you are back to work a little, little bit now, sort of doing takeout at the restaurant you're working in, at now.
1: Yeah. I, I manage uh, shark club, which is, um, it's a chain. Uh, it's owned by the same company that owns like Moxie's and, um, Rockland and Rockford Grill. Um, it's called Northland Properties. Um, so yeah, we did close down for about three weeks. with no, um, doing no takeout. But we uh, reopened last week, um, obviously doing things like Skip the Dishes, DoorDash, and then uh, we're doing the 50% discount for frontline workers. Uh, So it's been actually really good the last week and a half. So it's been a lot of work getting the place kind of back back going. But uh, yeah, we've enjoyed it, and uh, it's good to see people supporting um, the local businesses for sure out here.
0: Yeah, good. Uh, Okay, so we will get into uh, everything you got going on at the new joint, but uh, before you went out to... Sunny Victoria, you were <laughs> back back in our neighborhood of the woods in Kitchener Waterloo. And um, so we'll just we'll just jump right into like an early bio you. Um you are from Brampton. Brantford.
1: Br- Brantford, yes. Brantford. I always get those two
0: mixed up. Uh, Brantford, and then you moved to Kitchener and Waterloo for school?
1: I did, I did. Um, so before I went to school, I played in a band for a few years of my life, from about like nineteen to twenty three ish, um, which was a great experience. And I was, you know, traveling around and playing in a lot of bars mm-hmm. all across Canada. So it was a pretty cool, uh, cool job to have um, when you were that age. Uh, but that did kind of fizzle out. The rock star life uh, just didn't didn't happen for me. So uh, obviously, I went to Laurier, um, and that's sort of how I got my start in the service industry. As many um, of us do, yeah. Yeah, uh, very similar. So um, basically, yeah, when I started going to Laurier, obviously needed a part-time job. Um, and, you know, had, you know, obviously went a lot to a lot of bars and restaurants and thought it would be a, a good gig. So I kind of I pounded the pavement around just handed out resumes, but I didn't have really any experience. So All I right. did what anybody uh, would do is I, you know, fabricated my resume slightly. Right. So I could uh, <laughs> get, a, get a job. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was lucky enough. I got my first serving job at, um, at Jack Astor's. Uh, it was in Kitchener. I think there's still one there that moved locations, mm-hmm. um, but it's still one in the mall down there. But um, yeah, I went in and I got my first job there, which was, it was a really good place to start, uh, never having worked in a restaurant before. Uh, they obviously have a pretty good uh, training program. Those, most of those corporate places do. Uh, right. So it was pretty thorough.
0: So it's really good. Uh, but, uh, and we, we had somebody on here previously who worked at Jack Ezra as well, and we were talking about how um, it's a good training ground because you really, they really nail in the basics like steps of service and um, like how to organize your time.
1: Very much so. Yeah. It's honestly uh, for people who want to get into the industry and um, who don't have a lot of experience in the industry, I like recommend like, obviously at corporate places they'll, they, you know, they take a chance on people. They can kind of mold them into the, serving the way that they want to so mm-hmm. i was, uh, I, was I was fortunate enough to get started there and i you know i always remember uh, working there because it was a really good place to start for me and like you said they did hammer in all those like steps of service and things like that so and it was you, a good uh, start but
0: so that's your first and that's your first time behind the bar as well correct
1: yeah uh that was my first so i started out as a server there um, and then I eventually, after working there for, I think, about eight months to ten months, I got my uh, got to get behind the bar, which was like, you know, everybody kind of wants to do that, you know, when you serving was good, but that, I did mm-hmm. get behind the bar there. So that was my first foray into bartending. And it was good there. Like, they trained their bartenders really well as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that was my first foray into bartending as well. And
0: what's the kind of, like, so you've worked in some other... Um, uh, uh, different, different types of bar setups for sure. But um, the, uh, the type of cocktail drink you're making most of the time there is what?
1: Well, I mean, I feel like places like that, they always do so. Sort of, they have their own sort of, um, they have their own variation on classic cocktails. So it'll always be like, you know, like a Long Island iced tea, but they'll change the recipe slightly. So it'll have a variance in it. So, so like, you can call it Jack um, or and then they yeah. had a lot of, obviously, yeah, can yeah. It, it was like yeah, I got to remember the name of it. Yeah, it would be slight variation on a regular cocktail. So making a lot of stuff like that, a lot of frozen drinks as well that they did. You know, like uh, different styles of Bellinis and margaritas and things like that. So pretty and common. people are um, <laughs> sorry, uh,
0: people are are they generally ordering off the cocktail menu? Then you're not getting a whole lot of people coming in asking
1: for like a sidecar or like something off menu, right? I mean, it was a long time ago when I was working there. It was about 15 years ago. So, yeah, they had their whole cocktail menu, and, like, you know, they trained their service to sort of, like, point your attention and yeah. have a feature sort of drink every month. So it was a lot of, like, repetitious dealing with the same drinks over and over again. Like, good stuff. Obviously, you know, they catered to different crowds. Like, a lot of their cocktails, I guess, were geared towards women coming in there. But, yeah, no, they had a wide variety of stuff. But it was definitely a good place to start to learning um Learning how to bartend for sure.
0: And what's uh, the how would you define the customer
1: base there? All over the place a little bit, or it definitely was. I mean, I think their clientele. uh, It's I mean, it's still a little bit pricier. We're not quite as pricier as going into like a nicer restaurant, whatever. But I mean, I think they're definitely trying to get the type of after work kind of crowd. You know, people who are around there. It's not, I obviously cater to families, um, cater to like hockey teams and things like that. So you yeah, do get of like younger and... people in there. It's, yeah. They got that fun kind of atmosphere is what they were going for. Uh, so yeah, that was a clientele was quite diverse, comparatively speaking to other places that I've worked.
0: And did you, um, were you involved in any, um, birthday songs?
1: <laughs> I did have to sing that here <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. The only way I worked it, that was there yeah that was during the era of the song so yeah we definitely had to do some singing oh, uh, you just kind of like yeah it was I tough. dodged that it bullet throughout
0: my career I don't know how but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, they, I don't even understand know, like what, for, if you're the customer in a situation like that it, isn't that just uncomfortable for you like I guess the people that you came out with get a kick out of it because you're embarrassed, but that's sort of a weird thing to do for your birthday. Let's see if we can embarrass the fuck out of this person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. I don't know. It's their thing. Like, I mean, obviously we're talking about like corporate places and they all have their sort of like gimmick or, yeah. you know, their style. And that's just like one thing that like, you know, places like that are like known for. So, yeah, they bring people in to slightly embarrass them, but and also the staff gets to be embarrassed. But after a while, it just becomes second nature. Yeah, you don't even care um, anymore. Definitely, did not, definitely not fucking enjoy it. That's for no. sure. But I, I just never happen. really
0: understood that whole concept. It's like the whole thing about the birthday. It's like we're gonna try and embarrass this person. Then as you get older, it's like okay, we're gonna try and get them so wasted that they throw up everywhere and have to go home and pass out early. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Is, how? Is, I, like, by when I was a little kid, people just came over and gave me presents and shit. Like now, now it's like they're trying to <laughs> humiliate me and physically injure me. No, that, that's yeah. just growing up. They just growing it. up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm curious. Yeah, you know, after a year of that, I was sort of like ready to be like, yeah, like I said, a great place to start um, my uh, my career in the industry. And like I was in school, so it was like what they call like a weekend warrior sort of situation, mm. um, and. Definitely really enjoyed it, got to meet a lot of people, but like after a year of singing those fucking songs, I was like, let's get somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm curious, do you remember what the uniform was you had to wear back then? Oh, man, back then? Oh, back then we had these shirts and you had to like draw on them with like that, like, um, it's sort of like an... Um, like a oh, glitter yeah. marker almost? Yeah. It's like, not a marker, but it's like a paint that dries on, right? Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Your design like, It's you almost like nail polish. Amount. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I guess you could call that. So you would have to design these shirts. And I'm was i not the best, I'm not the most creative person when it comes to that. So I was like like asking people to do it. And the first one I did was just absolutely horrible. And they basically (laughs) said like, I'm sorry, you need to go home and get somebody to do a shirt for you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was pretty fucking bad. And like, I remember making them like every so, like six months, they were like, you need to have a new shirt. So, I mean, I was in school and like, it was my part-time job. And I remember like, you know putting these shirts together like last minute and the ink wasn't completely dry and it would smudge and there'd just be, like these <laughs> ink smudges all over these shirts so <laughs> so you're um yeah,
0: with the exception of like the basics because obviously that's your first job you're learning pretty much everything for the first time at that point was there something specific yeah. that you feel like you gleaned from the experience there that you didn't get at other places that you moved along or is it just you just getting your fundamentals down there
1: Well, I mean, I, you know, I didn't know at that time that that was going to be what I'd be doing for a long time, obviously, like I had like was in school, other like, um, so I was like, this is a good, you know, fun gig. And after I did it for a year, I still had still a couple years of school left. So I went somewhere else. But I think I guess to answer your question, the best is that I definitely did take a lot of fundamentals of working in a restaurant from that Mm -hmm. place. And that's that's what I would remember. I mean, obviously, remember, like the good people that I work with, Um, you know, I made some friends there that I'm still you know I keep in touch with you know and it's almost been like 20 years work there or whatever so um but yeah definitely I would always take hold to like the training that they gave you um being green I mean I didn't catch I caught on but I mean there were some nights when I first started where like it was a bit of a bit of disaster for sure, right so but, well you're,
0: uh, you're, yeah, you're, you're taking all of, uh, like big sections and a high rate of turnover as well, right? But uh, what I find with working in with those kind of places is once you get those fundamentals, they're like muscle memory for you, right? Like, that, like you get yep. that at those, at those first spots, and then it's like as you move along in your career, you, just, you don't even have to think about steps of service
1: anymore or like how to organize your time or what order to do things in it's just part of you, right. No, yeah. No, you're definitely right about that for sure. I mean, I would I take some of the fundamentals when I, uh, you know, get new employees where I work right now, which is corporate as well. Um, they have their own sort of steps of servicing, but I always... And it's all kind of similar, right? Like the way that they do stuff, it's like just a little variation on how one place does it versus the other. But like, you know, I always kind of remember those kind of fundamental key steps of service that I learned at my first serving job there. So yeah, I'll definitely always carry them now when I like try to teach people and help them out, become a better at their job. Right.
0: Okay. So from uh, Jack Astor's, you then, uh, your next step in the service industry is at the, in the charcoal group, and they owned, um, a bunch of different, but slightly similar restaurants in the Kitchener-Waterloo region. Um, so you, you, uh, you worked at several
1: of them, right? i did i did i was uh so when i uh left jackassers i was uh, sort of what you like to call poached yeah. by uh, <laughs> a former employee who uh who left to go work there and uh so he was sort of like you know told me about it so i did go and i worked at del dante's um i was still in school at this time so it was still like a part-time gig in the, in the during the school year and kind of full-time in the winter um and yeah i really have you know i learned a lot working um for all three of those restaurants, I was fortunate enough to go and work upstairs, but I did work a lot of time at Del Dante's, um, both in like, their dining room, on the bar, and in their private dining room. Um, and so that was definitely my first foray into uh, finer dining, right. uh, coming from Jack Astor's, which is kind of like, you know, pump food, so I would moved to there. So yeah, that was my next gig. Now,
0: is Charcoal, uh, the Charcoal Group, um, with regards to when we're talking about sort of corporate versus an independent place, um, there's still a little bit of that corporate mentality in the Charcoal Group of restaurants? They have, like, certain rules that apply to all restaurants, et cetera?
1: They do, for sure. I mean, they're definitely not as big. I mean, they're a growing company, which is good. Like, Um, When I worked there, it was still just the the compound that they had, like they called the three restaurants in one building. And they were like planning on expanding and they did so while I was working there or like before I left. But definitely did have like, they had a full like, you know, trainers, uh, like a server training um, uh, schedule and the routine that they followed and steps of service that they did. Uh, But in that respect, though, it was fine dining. So you did get exposure to like, we had wine seminars, we always had like... You know, little food seminars and um, working, yeah. So that definitely to answer your question. They do have a bit of that corporate mentality. Um, just not as big as some of the other corporations that I've worked for.
0: So, did you find um, a, a big jump in like what uh, in sort of the development of your service of your um, style of service going from like a place like Jackass was more of a pub to, like, slightly into a more, I would say, would you call this, like, mid-range fine dining, sort of? I would
1: call it mid-range fine dining, for sure. Like, a 7 out of 10 on the fine dining. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. uh, yeah, No, for sure. Like, I mean, like, you know, obviously I said Jack Ash was my first job. When I moved there, it was my first sort of, like, getting into fine dining, finer finer dining. and Mm. uh, But I did, I learned so much working there. Like, um, I listened to your guys' first podcast, and you guys were sort of talking about, like, people who do um, this as their like livelihood like they're in the industry as their job well that was the first time I guess I was really exposed to like a lot of servers and bartenders who did that as their career right there were right. I was still in my early 20s then and then um, there was a lot of people who worked upstairs and even worked for me who were like in there like who were later like older. And they did this as their career. And, you know, they were very passionate about, and they knew things about cocktail. They knew things about wine. They had a sommelier. It was my first time working with a sommelier. All the chefs, you know, they came from, like, restaurants in Toronto and things like that and had a lot of experience. So I definitely learned and, I guess, took what I learned from there and developed sort of a passion towards, you know, eating and drinking and uh, learning more about food from my time working there
0: so it's kind of been my experience in a situation like that when you're sort of a young buck in a group of like grizzled veterans just like probably any other avenue of life but they're you they're sort of you can go one of two ways they can either be like fuck this punk like he's just slowing me down or whatever or he, he's not serious about the job he's still in school or they can be really helpful in trying to kind of up your knowledge and, and help you get better. So did, did you find
1: you got both there or one or the other? or? I, 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 that's a good question. You know, I, I kind of was going to bring that up, but I went kind of from like person to person that I worked with, right? Like, I mean, you know, you guys have worked in bars and restaurants, and especially mm. when you get new people coming in, like some people treat new people like they don't give them the time of day. And sometimes people take a little bit of time to learn, or, like, I mean, if you just get thrown in, regardless of how much experience you have, it does take some time to catch on how the place works. So I yeah. found I had people who were, like, really nice and, like, they would try to help me and, like, I wasn't afraid to ask questions. But definitely, I did work with people who, you know, we work with people who are, like, working in the industry for, like, 20 years, 20 years plus. They do think of you as a young punk. But I think generally, for the most part, most of my experience with the people that had worked there for a long time was pretty good. And I didn't feel, like... I didn't feel like intimidated asking for help, which is I mean, something I take today when I have staff. Is like I always try to make um, newer staff feel like they don't have to be afraid to ask me questions, right? Regardless uh, of how stupid they are, you know, it's tough. Like, not everybody knows as much as, like, you know, somebody like you or somebody who's worked in a restaurant for, for yeah. 20 years. But, you know, you need to guide them.
0: And there's a lot of people in this industry who take, who like, I don't take the attitude of, like, oh, I don't know, like, the I, it's almost like a know-it-all condescending attitude towards anybody who doesn't know as much as them. And they're just taking themselves a little too fucking seriously. Like, I mean, I, I like to do my job well. I take it seriously. But I also, like, recognize at the end of the day, and I've said this before on the on the podcast, is at the end of the day... We we fucking make drinks and bring them to tables like we're not <laughs> like this is not a we're not splitting the atom. So like you yep. don't need to take yourself that fucking seriously. So I never really understood this attitude that you get from some people. And I had it for people working for me as well, too, where I had to kind of say that to the Mention, like, yeah, just because this, this that's right. This person doesn't know as much as you about wine or liquor or cocktails or whatever so why don't you help them and learn so they can learn right like rather than sort of giving them attitude about it help them out like do you
1: don't need to make them feel stupid oh, i, I told you. i mean i feel like you know when you're working at a place and you know you it's your what you do and people come there and like you you would hope that everybody that you work with gives the same services you would give right whether you're mm-hmm. on the bar you're on the floor you're a manager so it's like if Dan came into your bar and you served him and Dan loved your experience and then I served him the next day, it would be equally as good, right? So right. I think you need to learn to develop people in order to get to that level. And sometimes, you know, obviously if you work somewhere for three years and somebody's brand new, even if they're good at it, they don't know where things are and they can't do things as fast because they're new. So I, I'm always um, an advocate of trying to help people learn and try to be nice to them and give them a chance, you know? If after a couple of months they're not catching on, then we got a problem. But, sure. And uh, there
0: are some people it, who just can't do this job and that's fine too, right? Like some I mean, people are just not built for it. Like so, no, no. Every, every, And just like I'm not built to fucking... Uh, paint something that's going to hang in the Louvre like I could try but if you like, <laughs> like a stick figure bent over with a fart noise then I got you covered for that but I, I'm not going to be winning any art awards so I, I, it's okay people's brains work in different ways so there's no reason to make them feel stupid and the thing is everybody our job is the kind of job that you can that pretty much anyone can do but not everybody can do it really well
1: I agree. I 100% agree. And like, I mean, it takes. There's type of people who like they can fly by strictly on their personality, right? Like they can't be like they might not be the greatest server ever, but uh, their personality goes a long way for them. And then there's a lot of people who you know their personality isn't as strong as those, but they're just like fundamental. They never make any mistakes. They're always on top of the guests. You know they you know they might not talk as much as other people. So, but yeah, it does take a different a style of person to be able to you know, do it and make it look effortless, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Um, And then also be able to create a good experience for people. Because that's kind of half of what you do. Like, you're kind of like, we're in the people business, right? Right. So in a place... We're there to help
0: That's right. And so in a place like a jackass or something, that's the type of place for people who are just kind of doing it as a side gig, not taking it that seriously. Whereas when you get into more of a charcoal group or like places that I've worked at or own that... There is a there is a level where some at some point you're like okay if this person's not going to take it seriously and really try and get better you don't have time for them right like I, I, my, my my feeling is as long as they're trying though then help
1: them but yeah. if,
0: if you get the if, 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 if you get the vibe at some point where it's just not important to them well then that's going to bring everyone's game down right
1: no you're right you're right you 100 percent agree uh, I mean it's hard like I mean it's like a lot of times the training like at other places i like work more independent. Like when we've hired somebody new, it's been like, let's fire them on the floor and see how they do. Mm. And if we don't need to help them very much, then they're going to be a good employee, which is like, Hey, you know, some people are just like, they feel like intimidated to ask for help. Um, but you definitely need to, like, I feel like being in management right now, like development is a huge part of what I do, right? Like developing people to like, to do what our brand wants. And you know, develop people so like they, when anybody comes in there, they're able to like answer their questions. They're able to serve them properly, right? And that's something people need to think about, especially if you work at a place for a long time and they hire somebody new. You know, sometimes if you're not the nicest person that don't try to develop them, or they don't dedicate somebody to developing people, then it's gonna be not a good experience because people are gonna, the guests are gonna suffer because somebody's not been taught how to do things properly, right? right.
0: Oh man, I've worked yeah. at places where I got thrown off onto the floor opening day of the place, and they hadn't even shown anybody how to use the POS yet. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, how, <yeah. laughs> like, there's trial by fire, and then that that, that is just idiocy. But yeah. um, I digress. Anyway, yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, here's something we haven't really asked anybody yet, but it just sort of came to me. Is like, um, talk about you could you talk about also as you're going through these different places. Um, in your development as a server bartender or manager do, 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 you're, you're probably your palate for alcohol is also changing along with you, um, oh, do, that you is. <laughs> it's like when you're working at Jack Astor's you're pounding yeah. whatever
1: right? There's no, there's right? No word, like,
0: yeah yeah. <laughs> and then uh, as you're getting into towards you start to learn more about liquor and wine and whatever and then as you yeah. get older like, well, like what are you drinking right now?
1: Well, um, living in Victoria, we are blessed enough to be very close to the Empress Hotel. So, um, obviously, you own a cocktail bar, knowing that they have a really quality Empress Gin. So, yeah. I did pick up a bottle of Empress Gin and I mixed in a little uh, gin soda lemon right now. So,
0: right, and cool. back at Jackass's, you were probably just um, hollowing out in yeah. half an orange yeah, juice container like, and <laughs> <laughs> and filling the rest a, up yeah, with was Smirnoff. Like food, like- yeah
1: a lot of courses course course like Niagara back then and that yeah. didn't change for a long time afterwards but no. yeah no, I definitely like I mean it's not just the places I've worked but the people that I've been around and also like uh, because of this industry I definitely have like started and my wife of course too like started to travel a lot more right. and been around the world and got to try different foods and different alcohols for sure uh, but yeah no my it's hard man like I'm you know I got super expensive taste on not the most expensive wallet right now i not yeah. the fullest wallet. uh it's tough i know
0: my fucking booth supply at home is getting rough <laughs> it's like oh, man. i used to have such a, del- a wonderful whiskey collection and that shit is gone i think i'm down to about three <laughs> ounces of highland park
1: i do partially yeah a lot of her yeah i do partially blame you blame for getting me into better wine of you and johnny for getting into, yeah. um, better wine and better cocktails that's for sure so uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I once you taste the good stuff, it's hard to go back to the uh, to the swill. It
0: is, yeah. But no, we're we're in a, a new world right now, my friend. So you just today, oh, I, yeah, had, no, I had long. a PBR with dinner today, so, <laughs> 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 so yeah, we've had, we had a yeah. We broke
1: through a couple boxes. We went through a couple of boxes. Sorry, we boxes of wine here at our house they're squeezing every last ounce of the <laughs>
0: bladder <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good you can work at a farm too then
1: Never
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no shit uh, okay so you go from there to another pretty big chain a uh, canadian chain the keg um yeah that's uh, uh everybody who lives in canada knows the keg i think um yeah they're, they're everywhere it's not just ontario right yeah, yeah. everywhere yeah, yeah. um I'm the wrong person to ask as the vegetarian in the group, but <laughs> the keg is a pretty famous chain steakhouse in the country. Yeah, um, it, is. it is. So, talk about uh, what it was like to work there, because I can imagine—I uh, mean, I can only imagine the varied clientele you get at a place like that. Tell me, tell me some funny stories or pet peeves about working at the keg.
1: You know, I, like, I think, okay, so basically, like, after I worked at the Charcoal, I actually decided I was going to get, like, a real job for a while, so I worked at a law firm for a while, downtown Toronto, and was living the downtown Toronto life before we get into the keg, and then it was really good for, like, the month, and I really enjoyed it, but after, like, one month, I was like, fuck, I can't work in an office, I just was, like, not enjoying myself, and that's what kind of drove me back into going into the service industry. Um, and realizing that I could probably make a living doing it, so after that, like finished, I moved back to Waterloo and I was at the charcoal for a bit, and then they opened up that the new keg in Waterloo. So I started there uh, a little while after they opened, like maybe like six months, eight months, and uh, it was good. Like I mean, I was I felt like I walked in there and I had a lot of experience and I kind of knew what I was doing. I probably had served for about five years um, in like slightly slightly fine dining, which the keg is as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean. I really, I really enjoyed the team of people that I had working there. Like, it really, especially, like, near the end of when I was working there. Like, I made some really good friends there. And, um, uh, I mean, it's... The keg is like a... It's like a steak factory. Like, basically, right. it's just like they're getting in, cooking in, just like... It's like an assembly line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't want to say anything bad, but it's almost like, you know, when you're behind the scenes, they... They sell the keg a certain way, and it, it is. They have good quality meat and things like that, but it's just like a steak assembly line. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah. they definitely have um, they have their way they have their way, they, they have their way of doing things, like you know, like any other place too. I, I guess I was fortunate. The keg I worked at was a little bit more laxed than uh, than other kegs, from what I hear. But um, yeah, I don't really have anything bad to say about my time there. That's, I had some issues with some management at the end, but other than that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, okay, well, let's just talk about that for a second because like, uh, we've all been there as well. I don't know if we've talked about it a whole bunch on this show yet. Uh, we've talked a lot uh, to managers and deal, about managers and dealing with your employees, which we'll get into with you as well. But what's, uh, talk to me a little bit about some of the conflicts you can have with uh, sort of middle management in a, in a place like that.
1: Well, I mean, like, I think, like, obviously, like, as a corporate manager right now, you know, we are like, oh, man, I don't want to shoot myself in the foot on these comments.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll just say as much as you feel like you can.
1: Yeah, Yeah, no, I mean, it was like, obviously, like, you know, they're doing their jobs and sort of like, you know, making sure people are on time, you know, like your uniform is like pressed properly and things like that, which I understand and like aesthetic is a huge part of that right like if you're working in a more independent place i think if you know somebody's like a couple minutes late here and there and like you know it's not like the end of the world things like that there it's like the end of the world right like you know i'm in a corporate place they they try to do that where i work too right and i'm kind of lenient um i don't hopefully nobody that's my boss is listening to this thing but (laughs) i feel like i thought it's corporate like i mean if you're like oh they'll send somebody home because their shirt is impressed or like you know stupid like that like aesthetic is part of it i get it but you know and you know i got when i worked at the keg too like it was a lot of people like you know we had a really good crew so there's a lot of partying going on right it's an mm. un- unavoidable in the industry right right and uh, at that time i was i was living on my own i had like my own place and my place was like you know it was like party time they're like oh, after work everybody always came to my place or after <laughs> the bar we always had people there right and I was always a person who went to work and always got to work on time. But there were occasions where you know staff would call in sick in the morning, right? And like, right. like some girl put a picture on Instagram that they were all like having drinks at my house or right. on Facebook, right, and I'm right. <laughs> they'd just be like, hey, why is uh you know this person not here? And I'm like, well, I don't know. And they're like, well, you know, they put a picture on social media that they were all at your house last night or something like that. Or like, I they told somebody they were going to your house, so I ever heard that like. You guys were all going out last night and I'm like, Well, yeah, well, I can do whatever I want my own time. And I felt like a little like I was the center of the epidemic. I like the scapegoat a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, actually both of you guys have run these sort of uh late night <laughs> parties. Are running? Party we... dance. I don't know if running is maybe that's the wrong way to put it. <laughs> but uh uh we had um both uh, Dan's house and your house were places that uh, if you walked in there at like say 4am on Saturday morning, Saturday morning 4am, you're going to find people from like 7 or 8 different restaurants or bars <laughs> all, all in one place enjoying um, the, uh, several alcoholic beverages and the things, alcohol. that, the things that keep keep you going until 4 in the morning. <laughs>
1: You know, I was thinking about that time, and, like, well, I live by myself, and I was, you guys were obviously asking me to think of some funny stories, and yeah. so I lost my key for my house, right? So I had, like, the front door of my house, So I, and I didn't really get along with my landlord that well, and anytime I called him, like, to fix something, it was always an ordeal. So I basically just was, like, I lost my key, and I was, like, you know what, I, I don't need a key. So the, the front door of my house was always open, so, like, literally... There was countless times where I would come home from work, and I would maybe say to somebody, "Hey, let's go over some drinks." And I would just walk in, and there'd be people in my living room. They're like, "Hey, man, what's up?" And I'm like, "No call, not there." Like people would just know that they yeah. walk into my. House. And so it became like this. I mean, like Dan's house, yeah. um, it just sort of like a you know, hey, you know, you can do whatever you want, right? Like I remember, like I was thinking about the first, the first time, like one of the third dates I had with my now wife. And uh, we'd gone out a couple times and I said, Hey, you know what? You want to come over for, uh, for dinner and I'll cook you dinner. It was like the day after Valentine's Day. So she agreed to come over like six o'clock. And so the night before we all worked, um, and somebody was like, Hey, you want to go for a drink? Everybody's going out. And I'm like, you know, I got uh, a date tomorrow night. I'm going to try to clean my house. And, uh, uh, then I got my arm twisted real easily, right? So then I like, got my arm twisted ended up going out. You know, one drink. I was like, one drink. And one drink turned into, like, I don't know, 40. And then next thing you know, it's last call. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, just the person I am. I'm like, wait, right, let's go back to my house and, like, you know, have some drinks. And then I uh, already got home and there's already people at my house. <laughs> and, like, literally at 4 a.m., there was about 25 people there. And I had to work in the morning and just basically went to bed. Um, and then when I went downstairs to bed, like one guy I worked with had like thrown up in the garbage can beside my bed, and he was passed out on my bed. And then I came upstairs in the morning, and I'm pretty sure that some people had sex on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> the that couch. Something fell into that happened
0: to your couch several times oh, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I remember uh, that's funny that you mentioned. I remember uh, years and years ago, I was still in my 20s. Um, and I was on a first date. At the time I was working at Ethel's, but I was sell a little weed on the side to supplement it because I was still kind of part time there. <laughs> yeah. And I went on a first date. Because you know like you know everybody else in the industry in your in your town, right? And I yeah. went so it's hard to go on a first date anywhere where you're not gonna know everybody. So I tried to go somewhere where I never go. Sure enough, I knew the waiter. And yeah. he <laughs> in the middle of our first this date that he's never seen this girl before he doesn't know what's going on he just straight up asked me if i can sell him some weed so i'm like i mean i guess and he shows up with i brought the i was lucky enough to bring the girl back to my apartment and he shows up an hour later with two girls from the bar. And next thing I know, it just turns into this, uh, like everybody smoking, hitting the bong and like, and I literally had to kick them out of the apartment. Like, just, like I'm on a date right now, <laughs> but that is something about this industry. Right. Where we're just all kind of like, we all party together and it's everybody oh, yeah. knows everybody. So.
1: Oh, no, I agree. No, uh, that's all. Did you have a second date?
0: Yeah, somehow. I don't know what happened. It must have been the weed. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um
0: yeah, so that that also happened at your house a lot, Dan. I remember um I remember uh, one night that we were all back here and um the we all kind of recognized that two people from the bar that you were working at were definitely about to oh, have yeah, sex yeah, and yeah. were trying to get us all out of the way. And uh <laughs> it's like everybody's kinda of clear out of the basement.
2: <laughs> Oh, yeah, oh, yeah staring at each
1: other yeah. in the fucking kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, uh, yeah, no that's, that's kind of hard for the course. But anyway, yeah, no, um, that's not, that was a keg. Um, <laughs> but definitely did learn a lot there. It was good. I had, like, a lot of serving experience out of my belt. So we have new people that come. I'd always train people, which I enjoy doing. And, like, I'm not as harsh, I guess, as other people. Um, and then that ended. And then, yeah. Yeah, so from the
0: keg you ended up going to chainsaw, correct? Uh, I did. So I was R- good, but go ahead. All right, chainsaw. Sadly, all right,
2: chainsaw.
0: One, yeah. we'll pour one out for them. Then to Ryan, good man, Ryan, the yes. owner of chainsaw. Any cheers anywhere? to him. Up there. Um, yeah. So we. Uh, this is uh, sadly one of the um, casualties of. Uh, this pandemic that we're all living in is this sort of staple of Uptown Waterloo Chainsaw. And I'll get you to describe it in a second, but it's like, but now it's had to shut down after
1: what? They, how, how many years were they open? Um, I started 2009, I started there right when they opened. So, so August yeah. is nine. so, so almost, yeah, yeah. So, 11, yeah. Years. 11 years. So
0: yeah, <laughs> and then, then, these are the things that are gonna We're gonna keep hearing stories like this and it sucks. Like, this is just a shitty time for bars and restaurants. So people, when we get to the other side of this, please don't forget about us. You, we're really going to need your support, the ones that are still please, standing. Please. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so let's talk about Chainsaw because this is, must have been quite a culture shock after pretty much being on a semi-fine dining trail sure. in, in, in your career path at this point. What makes you decide to go to a—well,
1: let's describe Chainsaw first. Okay. So for those of our listeners, I'm sure most of them know it. The Painsaw was, um, a student watering hole, I guess you would call it, Mm -hmm. um, famous for its karaoke and live music and, uh, cheap food. Um, and so, yeah, it used to be called the Silver Spur. Um, and then it shut down for a while. Then obviously Ryan Good, uh, good friend of mine and partner and my boss, and he bought it I think in 2009 and, um, I started out there just as a part-time bartender. Um, obviously, our good friend, John Kent, was uh, managing the place when it first opened. And so, yeah, I started out my thing there just basically, luckily at the keg, they were kind of cool with, like, having a second job at another restaurant. Some restaurants aren't cool with you, I guess, called moonlighting. Right. At another place. So they were lucky enough. So I just kind of worked there, you know, when they were getting it off the ground floor as a very sort of part-time, like, fun um, gig. Yeah, just help out a new restaurant. And then,
0: okay. And so Chainsaw, like, my recollections of being at Chainsaw, I never really went there before you and John started working there. But um, uh, then a few, quite a few of our friends ended up being there. And uh, it was definitely, like, I mean, I was too old to be hanging out at that place at that time, but... I, I was there last year. <laughs> but uh, the, but, <laughs> but the, the things I remember about there is, like, oppressive 19-year-old... Karaoke singing, like to to just a level where it made it difficult to even talk to the person you came with, and like this just sounds like grumpy old man talk because I was at that point and still am. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, it was like hard to even talk to whoever you came with. Plus the um, the overwhelming smell of deep fried food that just lingered with you for the rest of the night.
1: Their their demographic (laughs) and their clientele was pretty much strictly going after the student population in Waterloo, which is like. Plentiful um, between, I think it was like um, the last time I saw there was 50,000 students going to Laurier, Waterloo, and the Conestoga campus up there. So there's a lot of that was the demographic they were going after. Uh, yes, it was geared, I mean, towards the students, and it seemed to be a place where like a lot of like the uh, eventually the younger students started going to. Like there was kind of different nights, you know, we had our nights like Thursday. We started out being Thursdays were our nights, and then Tuesdays were our night. It's, you know, all the all the student bars in um, uptown Waterloo kind of each had their night, right? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. It definitely was. I mean, with the exception of weekends where you got whatever you wanted during the week, it was probably eighty percent university crowd for sure.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. It was crazy in there, man. Lots, uh cheap cheap Jagger and cheap cans of beer, and you
1: never paid for a Jagger ever when you came. Well, there. I didn't want to say,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you got to admit that's cheap. <laughs> Um. So that. So you moved from like this sort of semi fine dining, and, he, and were you just kind of over it, wanted to do something easier, or you just thought it'd be fun to try something different, or?
1: Yeah. No. I was. We're just working there kind of part time, and then the keg thing. I was just you know at the end of where I worked at the keg for a really long time, and it just wasn't working out anymore. So then I um I started working a bit more at Chainsaw and Johnny, our friend. He decided to move to a different place, and they were looking for a couple different people to manage it. So myself and uh two other people all kind of fell into the role of being like bar manager slash employees which was a pretty good thing to have like uh, it's kind of like what i like to do so you get a little bit of learning like the ordering scheduling all that stuff um eventually both those other people moved out and i became the general manager of the place mm-hmm. um working with the owner which is amazing honestly the best boss i ever had i'll give him kudos for that um teaching me a lot about running a small business and giving me a lot of freedom and being extremely, extremely relaxed. Right. Um, definitely knew what we were after, the market that we were after, and we definitely, like, went after that. And, you know, that's what sort of came. But it definitely was a shock. It was much more lacked. And I was used to, like, you know, following steps of service and being around a better clientele where it's like, you know, pretty much I could tell somebody to go fuck themselves. But it right. like, the, yeah. Like I remember one
0: night some guy gave me a dime as a tip and I flipped it back at him and I'm like, you know what, you can keep that buddy yeah <laughs> I, 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 I worked at this um, <laughs> uh, I worked at, at the campus bar at Waterloo, the bomb shelter we worked with this guy, I'm not going to say his name but uh, it was pretty quick and some fucking guy um, flipped a quarter onto his tray after he dropped his uh, drinks <laughs> off and was like Here's a here's a, quad, a quarter. Go tell your mom. Go call your mom and tell her what a good job <laughs> she's doing. You're doing. And he said, he just without missing a beat, he goes, "Actually, I'm going to call your mom and tell her to teach you some fucking manners." <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. perfect. But uh, what's what's the um, so that's kind of like you're just doing fast turnover, almost like nightclub service at that place.
1: Yeah, no, it was it was uh, definitely like uh, again, yeah, I in mean, like the the window of. Opportunity for revenue there was like, I mean, if they were open, let's say, like, I don't know, 30 or 40 hours a week, they probably get like 80% of their revenue within like a seven to maybe a 12 to 14 hour window, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, people come in at 10 o'clock, like on Tuesdays and Thursdays, to be there earlier, but the rest of the time, it's like the end of the night, you know, like people are uptown Waterloo, they're going out at 11 o'clock, they all come in, they pile in, just like, cattle prodding them in, get them in there get them drunk, get them out, you know, get as, as many drinks as as possible. And it was definitely extremely high volume, you know. Um, but mostly
0: so. just cracking beers and pouring shots. So it's not like yeah. something that takes a lot of time to make the drinks. Up. No,
1: no, yeah. no. Definitely, definitely wasn't nothing. We, we designed everything there from the, the food menu to the drinks just to be basically like, Half of a figure, you can get what you want, right? right? So it wasn't like we're making like labor intensive cocktails that like you find that, like, you know, you, you can't do that type of volume working in a sort of like quasi nightclub uh, environment. So, but yeah, no, just basically opening beers, making mixed drinks, you know, running the place, make sure we but it's definitely a good experience. Like, it can get annoying at times dealing with young kids. They're ill mannered. They don't necessarily um, have gone out a lot, they don't know etiquette. But uh, it was, you know, we. I knew what it was always. I mean, I partially stayed there for a long time because I really enjoyed working with Ryan. That was kind of one of the reasons I ended up staying there for so long. Uh, I, mean, I had a good gig with him, um, but you know, definitely there was nights where I'm just like had enough of kind of dealing with those kids. But it, it it wears
0: on you. I like, I, I worked it. I it wears on you. I worked at a nightclub around the time that you were working there as well, and we would trade these horror stories of like just that like it's just first of all the one thing about working that kind of service is you're dealing you're making your tip money through volume not through qu yeah. quality qual, definitely quantity over quality so but after a while it sort of just starts to wear on your psyche when someone just thinks you're worth 10 cents or a quarter on every <laughs> transaction <laughs> for <the> tip. Um,
1: <laughs> you're definitely there's like for sure you definitely work on volume and like you know we we start we had like it was good there like that was my first kind of foray that having staff work for me and getting into management a little bit. Um, I guess I was lucky that I didn't have a lot of turnover there, which was pretty high. And the people that worked there, you know, we always wanted like, to like make sure that people made money and you know, all that's kind of part of the deal. That's what I really like as a manager, making sure my staff are taken care of. So we staffed a little bit lightly. So people did okay, but it was purely, like you said, purely based on the amount of people that we would put through there on a night. Right. right. So, yeah. yeah, no, it was good. I mean, like, I feel that place, you know, it's got its place for a lot of people who come to Waterloo. Like, you know, all of us went to Waterloo as students. And you always remember the places that you went to. I'm sure you went to, like, the bomb shelter. Mm-hmm. Or to, I don't know if Phil's was open. You guys are older than me, so. Yeah, it We're was open. open. <laughs> it was open. I
0: spent way too much money there. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: we all did, yeah. We spent a lot of time.
2: I think I was there yeah. last year as well too. <laughs> 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 yeah,
1: you had your biannual visit to Bills. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, fuck, Someone's gotta buy those chase drinks.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they do. Uh, okay, so you work at this karaoke bar for all this time. What's uh, what's the one song you can no longer hear?
1: Uh, I could never hear. Well, you know, I was gonna the. I think Sweet Caroline was like. I'll be being a Red Sox fan like you are. Um, I don't never minded hearing it. I always kind of sing along, but.
0: It's okay. The, it's okay. Okay, only at Fenway Park in the middle of the eighth That's it.
1: it. <laughs> if I ever here, "Don't Stop Believing" again, I'll be okay. Don't stop oh, believing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. I, you know what? Here's a funny story. Is I worked there for 2009 to 2018, and I never karaokeed once. What? Oh, really? Except for with you and Leanne and Johnny at like four o'clock in the morning. Right, when sure. We fired out the karaoke machine, but I'd never actually done it until the last shift I worked there. Uh, that was the only time I karaoke. Uh, what did you sing? I sang uh, Sweet Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> <Of
0: course. laughs> uh, that's funny. Okay, uh, dude, can you think of a specific um, uh, dumbest? thing that a 19-year-old drunk in there said to you or asked you while you were working there or maybe that's putting you on the spot a little bit mm.
1: i might have to come back to this question okay yeah, see, it over. I didn't, there's so I didn't, many of them I didn't Pull that one over i didn't mm. i didn't think i didn't think i was gonna
0: get that question <laughs> yeah that's okay i yeah, uh, i was trying to think of some too from but it's hard. Like After a while, they just kind of blend into each other. Because and, and I'm not trying to insult customer base or 19-year-old people. It's just like we were all 19 and dumb at one point and drinking in public for the first time. But it, it's, it's absolutely incredible the questions that you would get asked or how... Uh, I, you know, one of my favorite ones is, is always like when somebody comes up to you and is like, do you know where the bathroom is? I'm like, yeah, man, I work here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know where the bathroom is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: why would I, I not I remember, <laughs> I remember when I worked with Johnny too we'd get a like we get some like let's say like there'd be like a group of girls who were like pre-drinking at like some somebody's house and like let's say the guy who owned the house would mix up some cocktail and he'd call it like one guy had this cocktail called 3000 flushes because it was like blue like a urinal pot, yeah, right yeah, yeah. Oh. The girls would be like Can I get a 3, flushes, and I'm like uh I don't know if that's a drink I should like, really? oh yeah Brad just made the greatest three thousand flushes, and it was so tasty. And I was like, I'm like, yeah. I mean, like Brad, maybe that's something Brad made. up I was actually like, oh no, it's a legit drink. And they'd all get on their fucking phones and they start googling the recipe. Yeah. Of <laughs> or, or like when they
0: come up to you and they're like, oh, uh, I was no, I was here like uh, three months ago, and this guy yeah. made me a drink, and it was delicious. Can you make that? Yeah. I'm like, well, you've told me nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can pretty much just make. Admit- it was
1: yeah. red. It was really tasty. Yeah.
0: That's, like, amazing. <laughs> um, okay, so after Chainsaw, this is um, when you decide to make the bold move out
1: west. Yeah, my wife and I moved out to Victoria um, in um, November of 2018. Actually, I got here and she moved out here. She got a job. She's a nurse at the hospital here. So uh, I moved out in December. I kind of, like, rented out our place and moved out here. And um, I, the first couple of weeks, I actually kind of took off was, and just kind of, like, enjoyed the island. And it's, you, know, you guys haven't been here before, but it's a beautiful place to live. Uh, I really wish all of you guys could live here, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and life's complete. Um, but, um, yeah, I, took a, I didn't really know anybody out here. I didn't really know the lay of the land. And I uh, got to know a bit of Victoria. And, like, Victoria has the most restaurants and bars per capita in Canada. Now, you it would think it's really easy to get a job. However, it's a very seasonal seasonal city. Um, like, you know how obviously we're talking about chainsaw closing down. Well, I mean, chainsaw. places like that are going to be hurting because maybe the university population won't go back into effect until like January, right? So that's right. why businesses who rely on the students are going to be really worried about survival because come September, if we don't have... Um, university classes and everybody's doing things online then you're going to have an issue with business in victoria people are really worried right now because they rely on tourism so much right like this city and like is booming between like between may and um let's say october like they probably get almost like seven hundred fifty thousand tourists just on cruise ships coming through the city right so down in the harbor there's a lot of restaurants that are like super seasonal and they're just like, you know, some corporate, some independent, and they are all going to be really, really affected. They're all being really affected by this right now because this is a, the start of the tourist season. So, right. but basically the lay of the land is like that. So when I came here in December, I, you know, had to pound the pavement to find a job and because I came in December and it wasn't the tourist season, it was difficult to find a, to find a management job. Like a lot of the locals are still here and you get a lot of people coming through, in uh, you know, like a lot of people come and work in the, 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 the tourist season here in the service industry, right? Mm-hmm. So they hire, there's a lot of people that they hire in sort of seasonal, so like, you know, in, if I would have applied for my job in April and May, I would have had more of a choice than what I did in, in December. Right. So,
0: but you did manage the land one, and so your, your place is called, sorry again, Shark? The Shark Club. The Shark Club. Uh, and uh, that's a year-round spot, though.
1: It is a year-round spot. It's, I mean, Charcoal is like I said. It's by, it's owned by like a, a big company that owns several different brands of restaurants, um, and so yeah, this one's been here for a long time. It was it started out as sort of an independent independent place, and then a corporation sort of bought the brand and concept, and then modeled it and expanded it across Canada. And they got they got some um, some locations in the UK and locations in uh, Texas. So it's a big company. Uh, but my location is older and it's you know uh, most of my clientele are locals right are like people who live on the island i do have a lot of girls that work for me who like they have two jobs right so during the rest of the year they work with me but during the tourist season they work at some of the places down in the harbor and the marina that are more tourist driven right so
0: Sure, sure and um Okay, so uh, you were saying that this is owned by a corporation. What are some of the other, uh, any, of, sort of, any of the other bars and restaurants sort of big names that people would know about that this corporation owns? I,
1: well, um, Moxie's is their biggest brand. Oh, all right, they you own. mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they, yeah. Own a, they own a rock. They own a one called the Chop Steakhouse, which is very similar to the keg. Yeah. Uh, they own all the rights to all the Denny's in Canada. Oh, um, really? Their thing, yeah, their big thing is they own a, a chain of hotels called the Sandman Hotels. So yeah. Sandman, there's a few in Ontario now, but they're very big at the West Coast. Like it's a more of a West Coast company. I think they started in like Alberta, I'm sorry, in Kamloops. And then, uh, but so most out West out here, like they have locations in like most major cities on the West Coast. Um, so every time you go to like a Sandman hotel, there's either going to be like a Shark Club or a Chop or a Moxie's attached to it, right? right. So they had the property development and things like that. So this is definitely the biggest company that I've ever worked for.
0: And uh, uh, talk to me about like the advantages and disadvantages of working for such a huge conglomerate.
1: Uh, I was thinking about, you know, what are the advantages? What's the difference between corporate places and independent places? I'm like yeah. it's like independent places that don't have a lot of money and corporate places have a lot of money, but don't want to spend it. Right. That's, <laughs> that's kind of what it yeah. is. But, no. as, as, a,
0: as an independent owner, I would say, I would love to have some money so I could fucking spend it.
1: <laughs> no, no, I agree. I mean, you know, it's, Like I said, I think uh, you give a check mark to things like structure and like, you know, when you like, there's always a lifeline for me to reach out to, like, if I don't know how to do something like it's corporate. So they're like very down to like, you know, they know every nickel and dime, where it goes, every inventory, you know, like food costs, labor costs they are very, like, very exact on that. So it's almost like you get a little bit of accounting experience and a little bit of, you know, finance experience when you're doing a job like this, which is something that I wanted to learn more of the back end of. Um, good to have the structure like i mean like you know when you hire servers you have a whole package to give them and you're like this is how we do stuff you know if they have any questions you can always refer back to these packages it's really tedious being in in corporate management and like you know it's just like if you want to do something it's got to get like approved by somebody and like you know like right. my boss has a boss and my boss's boss has a boss and his boss has a boss right right so you um, can't just like
0: come up with an idea and run with it like no
1: not fucking happening that's for yeah. sure as, much as yeah. i would love to do that no i was thinking of a situation where like we were i was working with one of the one of the beer reps and he was like i got these like really nice seats to a canucks game and he was like you know we'll do a little thing like bars do where like you buy a product and um you get a ballot we'll do a draw whatever have a party the winner gets you know these tickets and hotel in vancouver and dinner at the shark club there so I was like, okay, cool. I wanted to get on this like before the hockey season started because obviously we're a sports bar, so people come there to watch the games. So I want to get some posters made, right? So it's not like if you own an independent place, you would just get somebody to design the posters. Just go to your local
0: printer and boom, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, so this situation involved me, my boss, the rep, um, social media designer, a graphic design artist. So there was. it took me four weeks to get three fucking posters made for my place there's an email thread of 76 messages oh just to God. get these you know oh. so something like that is an example and, of, and
0: by the time that you get the posters up it's almost too late yeah <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, for sure And like you know like we get like you know there's kickbacks and there's sort of like you know we're trying to like help the brand out the brand helps us out by you know the more of their product we sell the the future we're able to do stuff like this right, right? like drives people back who are like you know, like the company I work for is pretty good in terms of like being in one of the reasons I took the job is because I do love sports and they're a sports bar. So like, you know, we gave away tickets to the Super Bowl, you know, like Knox Games, things like that. So lots of lots of cool prizes, but it only works if you sell the products of the companies who are paying for this stuff too, right? right? So so but.
0: uh that's kinda interesting too. though during this whole uh situation that we're all living in right now, like obviously we're all waiting for sports to come back. Now uh the I mean I can only watch the Last Dance like seven times <laughs> one in one week. So, but aside, aside from that, the um, like, what is your feeling about like I, I think maybe pro sports does come back before all the restaurants and bars start opening for good, but they're going to be playing in front of nobody their, their stadiums. Um, the and, like, I, there is a possibility, too, that maybe some of these sports um, just cancel the rest of their seasons, right? Like, there's a pretty good chance the NBA doesn't come back. Um, now, I don't know, like, what, what, what would you say is the most popular sport probably in Victoria for your bar? is probably
1: hockey, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every Canucks yeah. game, pretty much full for every Canucks game for sure.
0: Oh, wow. So, there's the NHL season, there's a pretty solid chance that's not coming back. Uh, so, how do you think that's going to affect uh, your business?
1: oh yeah we're definitely fine Um, (laughs) uh, well i mean you know like we opened for last week when they canceled pretty much everything and it was like you know like we like you know have a calendar like you know we show everything like we're full on sports bar like you know like any like a wilder fury boxing fight you know ram for you know a ufc fight, um nhl and like the raptors um winning the championship we were packed every night during the playoffs last year right so we're definitely um, event-driven place, right? Like some other shark clubs are a little bit bigger, so they have a crossover between being a uh, sports bar and also being a nightclub. Uh, where my location is primarily event-driven, where it's like you know people come out to watch the game, you know get some beers, blah blah blah, right? So that's our clientele, and it's good, you know. Like the Canucks were doing really well, the Raptors were doing well. We're relying on sports teams to help our business, right? They're, they help revenue, and you know, like, them not being, if this is this doesn't go on, like we're, if, we're, sorry, if this doesn't go on and sports are canceled, then, you know, it's going to be really, really tough for us to, like, draw, because that's what we are. Like, you know, right. we rely on, like, like a lot of other brothers do, like, you know, sure. if there's no baseball this year, um, sorry, there's no baseball this year, then there's going to be, you know, all those bars on Front Street in Toronto are not going to have any business at all, right?
0: Right, yeah. Well, and that's the thing, like, those places um, that are literally dependent on a sports season going on for their business, even more so than you are, is that a lot of their business is driven from people going there before and after the games that are being played across the street from them. Like, I like, I don't know how
1: places like that are going to fucking come back from this shit. Like, Oh man, it's going to be so tough. I mean, like, you know, that's, sports bars are one thing, you know, like, nightclubs, I don't know how nightclubs are going to even come back from this shit, too, right? I mean, restaurants are one thing you can, like, you know, or a cocktail bar like yours, you can, like, you know, you can space people out when the people come there to sit, right? So, obviously you're not going to have, you're not going to be able to have the numbers they used to, like, nightclubs do only generate revenue in, like, I don't know, a 12-hour window, like, let's say some places only open Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, right? Between 9 and 2, and everybody comes there between 10 and 2, right? So, like, they're not going to let, and they rely on the hordes of people coming in. They're not going to let that happen anymore.
0: Oh, right? it's a, it's a quantity game there for sure. Like yeah. if they don't put 300 people in that place, but if they don't have like, at least during their peak hour, say that's between 12 and two, if there's not yeah. 300 people in a place like that, you know, like an average size nightclub, that they, they're not, they're not making their overhead. It's simple yeah, as no. that. So yeah, I don't know. It's that's, it's going to be very interesting, especially in our town here. So, um, student driven. Uh we don't even know when kids are coming back to classes. Like if they if they yeah. start doing virtual classes or however it is and the nightclubs in Kitchener Waterloo that are so dependent on the student clientele, which is probably why we lost the uh, same thing. It's like who knows when these kids are coming back in town and they're definitely probably it's gonna be a very long time before they're putting like a hundred people in the place uh, spot at the same time. Right. So.
1: Oh, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. And I feel like, you know, like Brian's decision is obviously his own decision to make. Like he's a businessman. And like, yeah. you know, he probably forecasted, um, you know, the future, at least for the next little while of what's going on with, you know, bars and stuff like that. And especially like I, we were talking about earlier, it's like bars and nightclubs in, in student towns, whether it's in London or in Hamilton or in Toronto or Waterloo, it's like, they're dependent on the student population, you know, love them or hate the students. And like, not just bars and nightclubs, like think about all like the restaurants that are like, are like small franchises that are close to the universities and those plazas, right. Where they're just like, they probably make all their money to survive between September and April. And then mm-hmm. you know, summer's really slow. Right. So they, but they just, they make all their money in those time, And you know, if it doesn't happen in September for them, what are they going to do? Right. Right.
0: Uh, well, yeah, it's sad to think about, um, What's uh let's try not to get out here on a side note. We'll talking about some other stuff. Uh what uh, uh so you've moved you've made the move from um well we talked to a few managers, supervisors on the show before, but mostly those people have also been behind the wood or on the floor at the same time. You're in a position now where you went from that kind of role where you were bartending but also managing, uh yeah. to a point where you're just managing now. Is that accurate? Yeah so
1: uh, yeah sorry go ahead no I was, no, no, I was just gonna say yeah definitely like that's my role I definitely behind the scenes I'm on the floor I like being with the people I like to like you know interact with guests I like to help out my staff like I feel like I'm one of the, some managers I feel like it just depends on the place you work I think some corporate places they want managers to just sort of stand there and look like a manager right like are you go to find dining restaurant they don't want to see a manager helping bus tables or help you know like you know, deliver drinks and, like that. and I'm like, I, you know, obviously we try to like do things like make sure labor is good. So part of that is like me being out there and helping the staff. So I definitely sure. on the floor. Uh, but yeah, I'm a full on manager. I don't like necessarily like parts unless it's like necessarily needed.
0: Right. So do you miss that at all? Or are you pretty, you're at the point in your life where you're, you're pretty pleased with uh, where you're at?
1: Um, I think I wanted to sort of like, I mean, working for a big company too, it's like I told you earlier on, like, you know, we have a guy that works for us who does like all the accounting and audits all the money and things like that. And that's an aspect that I wanted to learn a little bit more about without having to go to school, you know, but it's stuff you can learn. Like it's not not rocket science, but it's like being behind the scenes. So I'm getting a pretty good balance of being behind the scenes and like, you know, helping pull the strings and set up what's going on for everybody. Um as well as getting to be out there in the role that I am I think maybe in the future it's going to be not so much being I don't necessarily want to have to be on the floor as much or deal with be on the floor I'd kind of rather be a little in the office but still be involved in mm-hmm. the restaurant industry but for now I definitely do like my time being able to interact with the staff and being able to interact with the guests
0: yeah so you get a little bit of both so that's good yeah. um, what's uh, what's your what's your go-to cocktail
1: Right now, I'm drinking, or what? We drinking at my place, or or it's just like if you're walking into, say
0: you're on vacation, you're walking into a bar.
1: <clears throat> well, I mean, okay, so I'll tell you one thing straight up: like living on, as much as I miss KW, I miss you guys more than no. anything. Uh, <laughs> living, living on Vancouver Island, one of the best things that I really love about here is the craft beer situation, right? And I know obviously, the craft beer is like super hype all over Canada and the world, and obviously in Southern Ontario, we have some amazing craft breweries, but. I really fell in love with uh, the Phillips Brewery here in Victoria. Okay. Um, it really, we live pretty close to it. They got an amazing tasting room and they're always like putting out new different brands. But I honestly have been like between that brewery, the Hoyne Pilsner Brewery, um, uh, the Driftwood Brewery. Um, those are three. I've been drinking more beer than I usually have, to be honest right. with you. So the craft beer has been what I've been going to out here, uh, more so than drinking cocktails. Um, like I said, we do live in Victoria, so I have been drinking the Empress Gin, um, which mm-hmm. is really, really good, too. So any variations of cocktails, including the, uh, the Empress um, Gin, have been pretty good. So that's where I've been kind of going with my drinking these days is the craft beer and the, and the gin. Nice.
0: Uh, well, I think we pretty much got it here. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to close it down. Um, John, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to talk to you again. Thanks for Thank sharing you. some time with us. I uh, hope you're keeping safe out there. Um, uh, a little housekeeping on our end. Uh, best way to help the show, if you've been interested in um, what we've been laying down here on the industry podcast, is uh, to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Uh, it's totally free to do. Uh, you're not, there's no obligation attached to it. You just hit that subscribe button. Um, downloads are what helps us out, and that will automatically download. So if you like what we're doing, um, please, please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, Until next week, uh, I'm Kip Saunders. I'm uh, one of the owners of Sugar Run in Kitchener. Hopefully that's still a place that's going to be available to you (laughs) at some point. Uh, It's Kitchener's own speakeasy. Uh, My producer, Dan Soretta, as always. And thanks again to our guest today, John and Goldsmith. Thanks, guys. Good to see you.
1: Thanks, man.